we have such a problem in the spiritual community of needing to make everything okay right away instead of just sitting with the grief and sitting with the upset and sitting with the chaos and sitting with the loss. So that's what I'm really trying to metabolize my body is how to bring, I'm the most optimistic person on the planet and there's a lot of shit going down right now. And how do we hold our light and our love and our joy and be realistic and be with the grief and know that there's hard work ahead. Prophecies have foretold and wisdom keepers all know that the rise of the feminine will restore balance to our world. In this podcast, we are on a journey to understand the root of the imbalance that has caused disconnection and dysfunction within our humanity so we can emerge as leaders creating a new story on earth. I'm Lauren Walsh. And I'm Shayna Connors. With humble hearts and open minds, we will converse with spiritual teachers, historians, psychologists, revolutionaries, leaders, and healers to navigate these evolving times and reintegrate the feminine history that we have forgotten. Welcome to the Time of the Feminine podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Lauren here. And I'm super excited to share this conversation that I had with Heather Ashamara. Do you know her? Do you know her? If you don't know her, you're about to. Heather Ashamara is so legit. That's the word I would use for Heather. I have a deep respect. I think I have a deep respect for women who have really devoted themselves with a lot of integrity. And Heather Ash has been doing this work for a long time of yeah, understanding how to be human and how to also be divine and what that means. And she's not only a really cool woman walking the earth, she's a devout student and she's a teacher. And her work has reached tons of people, including me. I read her book, The Warrior Goddess Training, when I was in my 20s. So I think I read it kind of when it came out around nine years ago. And it was right before a big opening happened for me. I was in this period of life where I was really trying to heal from a lot of trauma, which required a ton of discipline. I call it my nun phase. And I was about to emerge out of that phase. If anybody has ever been through an addiction or a lot of trauma, what you'll notice is sometimes a lot of discipline and structure is really important for your healing. But eventually, if you don't loosen that structure, you become rigid and stuck. But it's really scary because that structure, that devotion, that discipline really helped you along the path. You see this with a lot of people who've had addictions and things like that. And so I had been in this really intense period of study for myself, working within a specific lineage, didn't really have that many friends except for who was in that lineage because I was just at my altar day and night and processing all of the trauma that I had been carrying. And her book came along and really helped ignite a new chapter for me. One where I could be a warrior, but I could also be a goddess. And it's a very practical, supportive manual. If you have not read it, I highly suggest it. And so here's a little bit about Heather Ashamara. Not only is she a best-selling author, she is a teacher. She is a mentor. She is a steward of the earth here to teach us how to exist in this time of a lot of duality. How do we hold the pain and also have joy? How do we grieve while also have hope? So this episode is really cool because we go into that and we slow down together to talk about emerging concepts that are almost hard to articulate. So slow down with us in this episode and really feel the energy of the words rather than trying to understand them fully conceptually. Let's go into a new place together with this episode. All right, without further ado, here's Heather Ash. Hey, Heather Ash, welcome, welcome to the Time of the Feminine podcast. 
Thanks, Lauren. So happy to be here with you. You'd be so good. <laughs> I, I feel a whole lot of love for you. I've had these different moments along the journey of having these special little touch points with you. And early on, I read your book, Warrior Goddess Training. And I remember, you know, it's been so long, but I remember there was something around power and also pleasure that really stuck out to me because at that time in my life, I was in a period where I needed to go into a discipline cave and prove to myself that I could devote myself to spirit and ultimately to learn how to trust myself and trust the voice of God in me. But you have been an integral influence in that journey. And I imagine that's because you've gone on the path of the disciplined devotee yourself. And I'm so curious and I want this conversation to to expand in many directions because you are such a student first with a lot of humility, but also such a powerful teacher for so many years too, that I'm so curious about the evolution of your journey and all these things. So I want to just dive in, but first I'll just pass the talking stick to you. This is such a good time for me to be having this conversation with you because I'm in a expansion place in my own life. And it's so true that, you know, I definitely went through the phase where I was like dedicated to, I will get free. I will do whatever I can to get free. I will be a warrior. And that place of focus and discipline was really helpful, just like you said. And it was also so woven into the patriarchy and the being better and being, doing it right. Right. And it took me a long time to recognize, oh, wait a minute, I'm just perpetuating self-punishment in a new spiritual form. And I had to leave my life really, I remember very clearly leaving the community I was in and going on the road for a year and just letting everything go to do the rewire, to recognize that place of the importance of softness, compassion, sweetness, joy, pleasure, and how that was as vital as the discipline. And that neither is better or worse than, but I think for our conversation today, the place of really understanding what true freedom is, I think has evolved for a lot of us. It truly has. It feels like it evolved with us as the era has been shifting to like more access. This is going to be woo, but I genuinely believe this more access to the great mother has come online within our consciousness. I feel that could be true. And also it could be true that you just have to walk the path until you arrive to a new integrated place. So as we talk about this, can you please just toot your own horn for a second and talk about the incredible work you've done and what you've cultivated and the platform and the body of work that you have shared with so many women? Can you encapsulate the early part of that and then go into where you're moving into now? It might be too big of a question, honestly, but here you go. (laughs) Here's the talking stick. It's a great question. (laughs) And where to start, right? Because it's a long journey. But where most people know me, it's through the book, Where God is Training. And that book came out of, I'd already been teaching for, I don't know, 10 years. And doing live circles and weaving together different inspirations that I had in my life. So I had growing up in Asia, being really influenced by Buddhism and by just the the depth of connection and intimacy I saw that people around me in Asia had with each other and also with a connection to spirit. I started studying European shamanic tradition, Vicky Noble, Caradwen Falling Star. So I had some incredible teachers, firewalking as a young woman. And all of that was this deepening my connection with the earth, with the cycle, starting to understand that life isn't linear, that there is this honoring of birth and death and 
the the seasons and the cycles and the elements. So becoming more reverential in my life, I would say at that time. Uh, and then my work with Don Miguel Ruiz, who I really sought out a teacher because I felt like something within the goddess tradition was missing. And I didn't know what it was, but I came to this point where I was like, something's not right here. There's a way that we are becoming more empowered, but I also felt like myself and the women I was working with, we still have this level of victimization and Mm -hmm. like not being able to get traction in our lives in a certain way. And so where Goddess Training came out of all of those three traditions getting woven together and was from live teachings that got then put into lessons for the book. For context, can you talk about the difference between Don Miguel Louise compared to the goddess traditions? Yeah, absolutely. So Don Miguel, uh, who's the author of The Four Agreements, and I met Miguel before he had written that book, which is one of the like most best-selling spiritual books of all times. And what I learned from Miguel was really about the power of agreements that we hold in our beings that we've taken on from the culture, from the, we call the dream of the planet. And so there was a recognition of, oh, I've been thinking I'm broken and I need to fix myself. And recognizing that, oh, there's a whole overlay of more, just more than the patriarchy or of misogyny or like racism. Like there's something much larger around shifting from fear to love and looking at what agreements have we taken on. And so that's where I really got the warrior context Mm -hmm. that helped me balance out, like, I just have to think right, and then everything will manifest, and help me come back really into what has influenced and shaped me, and what am I doing with my energy? I think that's really the key of why that work with Don Miguel was so powerful, is I really started to look at everything through an energetic lens, And also looking at the story and how stories are beautiful and they can also really collapse our capacity to be who we are. Mm. So would you say that doing all of your reconnecting with the earth and the goddess work, then encountering Dawn as your teacher and examining the inner workings of your stories, did that help you create an inner structure or container or some kind of integration between the two? Yeah, I'd say it definitely helped me with the integration between the two of understanding the power of intent and focus and discipline Mm -hmm. and how when that is combined, and I think about it as inside of a circular model. Right. So to have the circle and to have that line of our focus, our dedication, our commitment held within understanding things change and there's flow and that we want to bring both in. Both are really important. Awesome. Okay. So you merge the two, warrior goddess emerges. What is that? And what is this chapter for you? So warrior goddess was just, just really practical. That's something about me. Like I am super practical. I'm like, how do we make this work? How do we let go of agreements? How do we find our authenticity? How do we speak our truth? So it's these was based on these lessons of the places I'd seen in my students' lives where they were struggling the most and where I found myself struggling the most in my life. And learning how to get really grounded and present, how to come from the heart, how to connect to our sexuality, all of these different areas that, as I see it, like we're learning how to bring into alignment and turn to face each of them of, okay, now I'm going to clean up my sexuality. Now I'm going to clean up the way that I speak to myself and others and how important that is. Now I'm going to really look at how do I come back into relationship with my heart. That practical Like, I really see that book as like a hand holding, let's go look at some of these challenging areas that we sometimes struggle with as women and find practical ways through to clean up what's not ours and to claim our agency and our power. And since then, as Warrior Goddess Training was coming up, I was going through a really rough divorce. So that book was birthed out of a big shattering in my life. 
and a really hard time in my life where I had created a life in Austin where that was really, really beautiful. And then it fractured and I had to find myself again in a new way. And I feel like coming out of the huge success of that book combined with my whole life falling apart (laughs) was this amazing journey into staying humble. Like the, the success of the book and of how many more people I could reach was just a thing. I don't know how else to explain it. Like it didn't mean that I was suddenly like an important person. It meant that my work was getting into the world and that I could continue to follow and support more and more people. And that to do that, I had to grow. I had to get bigger energetically to hold more people and to listen more deeply to where to put myself to be of the most service and how to take care of myself in the face of a lot of change, which I know you can relate to because you've had similar explosions in your life. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Sure <laughs> <laughs> and I think anybody who's been in this work for a long time goes through a lot, a lot of change, a lot of testing, a lot of fires mm-hmm. and gets mm-hmm. to redefine and resource and reroute into what's what we're really wanting to hold and be and embody in the world. Right. I always think of it as like, okay, well, it's easy to talk your talk, but when you're talking your talk and people are listening, you really have to walk your walk or the universe shows you that you're not being in integrity. Learned that lesson multiple times. And I'm curious about, I mean, so we're still... When did Warrior Goddess training come out? Many years ago. How many years ago? It's been, I think it came out nine years ago. Nine years ago? Okay. I thought it was 15 years ago. It seems like much longer. Yeah. Gosh, time. Wow. Nine years ago. And so that was not the beginning of, but like a new phase of you as a student now being a teacher. And I know through your integrity, you were always like, I'm student first and teacher second. I know that. I just know that about you based on the way you walk, the way you talk, and actually the level of consciousness from which you speak. So I'm positive that is the case when I think for some, it get, you can get wrapped up in an identity of being you know, some kind of teacher primarily. And so as you started to live and breathe this work and teach it in person, teach it all over. And you began to walk it and walk through it and have it integrate into you. At what point on the journey were you like, I would have rewritten that or, oh, that doesn't feel quite alive for me as it did now. Or have you had that? Have you had that experience? I've had it in the sense of like when I'm teaching warrior goddess training, I am passionate about it. I'm excited about it. I love it. Like it doesn't get boring. What I am working to grow myself beyond, we can say, is that there's something that happens when you have a best-selling book is that, and I was told this from the beginning, like when whatever your first bestseller is, that's who you're going to be known as. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. So now I'm like, I don't want to just, I'm not just warrior goddess. Like that's, that's such a sliver of who I am and what I want to do in the world. And so there's like, how do I expand out of this category of spirituality, goddess tradition, shamanism, that to me is all labels that I don't relate to in a way. I've been a bestseller on the shamanism list on Amazon for so many long. I don't call myself a shaman. Like it's not my realm. I do shamanic work for sure. Right. And so just the whole, like the ways that we get labeled and we get put into, here's your category, now stay within your category. That's what I'm right now trying to stretch out of and figure out. There's a much larger conversation I want to be having. And can I do that? I mean, I'm choosing to do it within Warrior Goddess, but I'm also choosing to do it separately. So I just started a sub stack so I can just have bigger conversations that's not Warrior Goddess. That's something that's about humans trying to navigate a really complicated time. What is alive in your own rebirthing right now? Yeah, the the biggest 
thing is that I guess about five years ago, I realized one of my biggest dreams, which was to buy land and to start to steward land. And that's been like such a huge goal in me in my life. And I was like on track to build a retreat center and have a wilderness retreat. And then last year we went through the biggest wildfire in New Mexico, the the lands wow. outside of Santa Fe. And we lost 175 acres out of 180 acres to the wildfire, like to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Devastating. Devastating. And the, and my whole community was hugely affected. So we lost a lot. And the people around me, these are people that have lived on the land for 500 years. They had their great, great, great grandparents land and just lost everything. And then the flooding started. So I suddenly, two things. One, I'm a firewalk instructor. I love fire. I train firewalk teachers all over the world. And then I lost, then I get to see the devastation of fire. And so there's been this, just this incredible time of reevaluating and looking at how climate change is affecting all of us, how communities can can come together and how they can get fractured, how someone's mistake can devastate thousands of lives. And it also shifted. I think the, one of the biggest shifts was I had a five-year plan of what I wanted to do with the land that involved humans coming and being able to connect to nature. And that has now shifted to a 50-year plan plus that's way beyond my lifetime, which is I'm stewarding now land that needs support in regenerating. I'm stewarding soil that has been sterilized. And so how do I call in the resources and reweb it so that we can help bring the soil back to life? How do I support the bears and the hummingbirds and the deer? And so um, that has been my, that was a year ago at this time. And I'm still, honestly, I'm still finding my feet with it to figure out. And there's been so much beauty and magic that has happened around it. They, the firefighters saved our community kitchen that we had built together. So we have a hub, we have a center and we have the grandma tree, which is mm-hmm. the oldest tree on the property survived. Wow. The one that has all the wisdom and is like all the mycelial networks with the other trees. And that's just such a huge metaphor, right? Yes. Wow. I'm really, I'm really struck by your experience and also notably how when it happened, you just didn't give up and leave. You said, okay, I wanted to steward land. And now I'm learning what that really means in the era that we're living in. Yeah, exactly. It was so intense, Lauren, when the fire was coming through because the fire had been burning for about a month before it came through our land. And I was sitting, I'd been gathering money and donating and like doing work within the community to help people that had been affected by the fire. And the day the fire came through, I looked, checked the map and I was like, it's coming. Like I had known it was coming, but to Mm. see it on the map, to know it's in my neighbor's property and it's coming in. And That was just such another pivotal moment in my life because I was like, okay, what are you going to do, sweetheart? What are you going to do? Like, here is a moment. I just remember really clearly just getting really quiet and opening my heart. And okay, this is happening. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. What are you going to do, sweetheart? And I just started singing to all the trees and just loving them and like just saying i i'm so sorry i love you i'm so sorry and knowing it's part of nature as well the fire is just as much as the nature as the trees but to have the heartbreak to have the grief and i feel like that's what has sparked something inside of me around I can't tell you how many people after the fire were like, oh, don't worry about it. Sometimes fire sparks those seeds and then the seeds grow more, the forest. And that's, it probably meant to, you know, it needed to happen. And I'm like, people, like, we have such a problem in the spiritual community of needing to make everything okay right away. Mm-hmm. 
instead of just sitting with the grief and sitting with the upset and sitting with the chaos and sitting with the loss. So that's what I'm really trying to metabolize my body is how to bring, I'm the most optimistic person on the planet and there's a lot of shit going down right now. And how do we hold our light and our love and our joy and be realistic and be with the grief and know that there's hard work ahead on so many levels? It doesn't have to be a struggle or suffering. So as you metabolize, what new facets of your own being are you encountering or revelations about this next chapter in your own way of relating to everything? I feel like it's dropped me into the center more deeply around how to hold contradiction. Mm. How to be in the contradiction of this time. And to not the right where I don't quite have the languaging yet because it's still processing in my being. But to hold that place of being in relationship with the mystery and that there's so many contradictions and how do we hold all of them? How do we not bypass? How do we not fall into hopelessness? Right. And how do we not let ourselves absorb so much into the consciousness of the suffering that it calcifies in our being? Yeah, exactly. I love that you brought this. This has been something I've been thinking about a lot too, and it works on many different levels. You have a group within the spirituality that talks a lot about ascending into this like higher dimension and something in that has never felt true to me because it always felt like my evolution is intrinsically connected to those who are here. But at the same time, I'm like, do I have to be pulled down by them? How do I be fully human without getting absorbed with the stories and narratives around the pain that are just propagating right now? And how do I embrace the suffering of this planet and without it completely taking me down? So in a sense, how do I strengthen my light to be able to hold the the paradox of everything is good and also shit is going down right now and without just being in the good or without just being in the bad, as well as how do I take two different experiences of this person and their, and honor their truth with this experience of this person, even though they're seemingly completely paradoxical and they can't get along at all, how do I hold those as part of the same bigger truth so that all of that feels really like a, a huge lesson of these times. Absolutely. And there's a way that I feel like we're all being asked to get way more skillful around conflict mm-hmm. and complexity. Yeah. Nuance, right? How do we live in the nuance rather than in the black and white? And there's no easy answers. And, you know, there's this beauty of where we are right now, too, in that we have so much access to information and wisdom teachers around the world and ancient traditions that have gone through from peoples that have gone through genocide and war and like huge destruction and have come out heart centered. Mm-hmm. and present and connected. And so we have all these resources. Um, and we also have this interesting thing of science right now, of all the research that's happening around genetics and like mycelium, like the amount I'm learning right now around soil re- regeneration that, you know, I was laughing with somebody who's working, a scientist who's working up on my land because he's doing all this research right now. There's a couple of different people that are doing all this research around how trees are all connected underground and we have to support the mycelium and grow the mycelium and get that stable again before you plant trees. And the old timers are like, yeah, you just go to the meadow and you take some of the soil from the meadow and you put it in the places that were burned. They don't know why. They just know it works. And it's the same things that the scientists are coming up with. So 
I think that's something too for us to, as we're navigating complexity, that there's also a way that we can keep looking at what's the next simple step for us as individual and as a collective. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we're getting into like just a really juicy place. It almost feels like I have to even slow down to touch, you know? So it feels like it's like a slower moment in this conversation. But there is something about death, birth, and regeneration, not just living within the paradigm of death or birth and death, but really starting to embrace the paradigm of regeneration. So in which case it's not to conquer death. And I guess the equivalent in our spiritual consciousness could be, it's not about healing or eradicating the dark or the pain. It's about the process of the regeneration, letting certain ways of relating to it die and letting a new something emerge rather than again, trying to eradicate death or eradicate pain. It's more about a cycle of integration and shedding. And so it leads me to be curious of, you know, the age old question, if God is real, why do we suffer? And if God is real, why is there all this darkness? And what I really feel is that it's in, it's, it has to be, it's a reality structure that has to be. And if let's go on the hypothetical question that we're all wondering, are we going to destroy ourselves? (laughs) Because the planet will survive. It will regenerate, but are we going to destroy ourselves? And there's a part of me, as grim as this may be, I'm like, well, if that's what we need to learn, then a lot of us will be destroyed. But I believe in life, death, and regeneration, which means I believe in reincarnation. And I believe in an ultimate, like a long, a long game of evolving my soul and evolving with other souls. And so when we start to incorporate that into our framework and really address our fear of the dark and our fear in general and embrace more love and surrender and perhaps even just like slowness and gentleness, maybe that's the medicine. I think that's definitely a big piece of the medicine. And to learn how to respect what's happening mm-hmm. around us, that we can't eradicate suffering. We can't eradicate, we can't just like fix climate change. There's things un- in motion right now that we're going to be like, okay, we can look at what simple piece can I do? And also, like you said, look at the long story, the longest story possible, I think is a really helpful way for us to be navigating is that we get to learn how to be radical holders of different perspectives and that learning how to be able to open up into the big story and into the long story and say, we're going through a cycle this huge cycle that looks like destruction, that looks like death, or that looks like chaos is going to birth something. And I love what you said, that there's this place of holding that there will be regeneration and that there's regeneration happening now. And that there's this commitment to, God, so funny because I do not have the language for this yet. So it just feels so choppy. But one thing I've been playing with in my own life and really exploring is this place of holding the big picture and also knowing I'm on this planet at this time with these people around me for a reason. Exactly. Like to be embodied, to show up, to be loving to the people around me, to learn how to be more loving to myself, to be gentle, like you said, to be kind, to bring more compassion in. Because it would be easy, it'd be easy for us to get more bitter or to get more afraid. And I think what we want to go towards is actually to get more vulnerable and more rooted and more compassionate. Mm -hmm. And that we don't know what's going to happen, that we can show up for whatever that is. And listen for what's the next steps. You know, I know with myself in the land, I listened for about six months of, should I walk away? 
is part of the message. The land's like, I don't want human. And I kept getting the message. No, stay. This is what Mm. is yours to steward. This is what's yours to do. And you don't need to know how. And I think that was huge. Oh, I don't need to know how, but I need to be willing to show up. We don't need to have all the answers, but we do get to learn how to show up and listen to not just the other humans, but to listen to the land, to listen to the ecosystems that we are, to listen to the birds, to listen to the moss. Like, how do we slow down and settle in that this is the ride we're on? We're on this ride. <laughs> I, we're on this ride. The main instruction I receive these days stillness, spaciousness, and silence. That's the main instruction, which in a time where it feels like I should speed up to do all these things, it's what I'm instructed to do is actually do less. And that's an interesting thing that I'd love to presence and bring into the conversation. That for me is wisdom, is deepening into more stillness allows us to have that spaciousness to know when and where to act that's coming from a really deeply attuned place. And that's critical. Right. Because so it's critical. Especially if we want to build or if we want to be agents of regeneration, I like to refer to us as stewards of our great rebirth. It feels if we're running around building in an old structure that actually needs space to compost, then we're just keeping the old structure, the old paradigm alive when really it's like stilling ourselves until we are sure that there's a force moving us. And I think that's sometimes tricky to say because I think some people feel that force moving within them and they still wait, they still pause, they still delay because perhaps they don't feel like They don't trust that force inside of them. If you have a force moving inside of you, lady, sister, woman, move, (laughs) open to move. But for those of you who have just been moving and moving and moving, whatever kind of stillness you can cultivate, even if it's just like turning off your phone for a couple hours a day, I I think for us in order to hear and receive the instructions for how we regenerate and steward our rebirth, that's essential is to hone in our own capacity to listen to truth as it moves through us. I love that. And someone in our community said something really beautiful of talking about that she feels like she's stewarding herself, like her mission is stewarding this body and listening to what did this body needs. And that this idea of stewarding ourselves and stewarding the time that we're in is so powerful because it's all about at the heart of it is listening. We've been in a, a paradigm that is based out of, let me come in and tell you what is needed. Mm-hmm. This is what we're going to do. This is what needs to happen. And this power over, I know what's better, disembodied way that all of us have inside of us that we're working to undo. And so it's not that there's an enemy out there or somebody's fault. It's like all of us have these characteristics inside of us where it's easier to be able to go in and go, I know what needs to happen right now, this from our past, from our brain, from our what we think is right. And it takes a lot to slow down and to say, I don't know. And I'm willing to wait and let all of the things that I've learned and I know and who I've been to let that settle out, to show up with what's needed now. Who am I now? What do I want to bring into the world now? Sometimes scary to let go. Mm. And I think that's the time we're in too, is letting go of who we've been, letting go of what has worked before. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that requires letting go of what used to get you approval and validation too, and safety mm. and love. Yeah, which is scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that I think part of what's happening right now, and this is why I'm so passionate about working with contradictions, is that 
there's this place that we're swinging to the other side of, I've also seen this tendency of nobody can tell me what to do. I know exactly what's right for me. I am completely sovereign that there's this way that we're swinging. We can sometimes swing to way the other side. And we want to find that middle place where we're able to get help from other people to receive, to take in information from beings that have been on a similar journey or beings that have been on a really different journey. That yeah. there's that place of opening up our ecosystem and really diversifying our ecosystem and gathering information. And that's, that is so yummy and fun when we stop trying to be expert or know it all. <laughs> love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. It really feels kind of the most confusing, but ultimately kind of what we need to start getting comfortable with to live undefined in the emergent field of what we're becoming and how to embrace it all without polarizing it. It's like a space that I, <laughs> I'm not used to living in, but I'm finding myself when I access that space, it's the only place where I'm getting restored. It's the only place where I'm regenerating is when I can be in that void inside myself of, I don't know. And I'm here and I'm open and I'm feeling and I'm trusting and I'm listening rather than this is who I am. This is how we do it. This is the way things are done. Yeah, that's like a scary, vulnerable place to be, but it's, I guess, the the place where new where regeneration happens. Because I, I find myself feeling like I'm actually that's the place of rest for me. Beautiful. I really feel that as well. Yeah, and for us to look for where are the mycelial webs? Like, where is the underground in the dark? allies that are already there and I feel like we're finding each other like the <laughs> amount of amazing people that I'm connecting with now outside of my like my familiarity is so fun and really tuning into the stillness and the listening and then opening into the world as the world is now not where I wish the world was or where I hope I would be in the world, but where I am in relationship to the world and where the world is now. And I think then we get, we can pull, allow to be pulled out of ourselves so much more capacity and resilience and rootedness and connection and interweaving. Do you think that whenever something gets saturated in the consciousness, like a certain idea that a lot of people start to adopt or a way of believing or orienting, spiritual or otherwise, then once it's super saturated, it opens the door for a nuance, like to understand it slightly different. Like for instance, everybody was love and light and peace. And then they're like, wait a second. No, no, we got to be careful about bypassing. And so it's like almost like when something gets saturated then people are ready to understand more of the picture. And ultimately through our evolution, we begin to see all of the different facets and paradoxes of one truth, the one capital T truth, all these many truths that make sense in all sorts of different times and paradigms, but all are a part of the one. Does that make sense? Am I tripping? Like in the way I'm speaking, does it? <laughs> <laughs> it does make sense. Yeah. And my immediate question is, what if there is no one truth? What if though? What if it's a collection? This is what I mean. Yeah. So we have my truth, your truth. We have a woman in Asia's truth. We have a woman of color in the United States truth. We have a man's truth. We have non-binary, beautiful soul's truth. We have all of these different truths and we're sitting in a circle and maybe there's some congruences and some of those truths make truths. Maybe there's like some places where we can rate, but they're all different truths and they all need to be honored. But what if we get curious and we're like, okay, all of these different truths, how do they fit together? Maybe my limited consciousness can't understand, but maybe they're part of the puzzle of the one greater truth. 
Which has paradox inherently within it. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, the truth is definitely paradoxical. 100%, which is like a total mind blown. Wait a second, that's totally, I'm supposed to understand that truth is paradoxical. But that then again, brings you back to that simple question. If God is all love, why is there so much pain and darkness, right? Paradox. Mm -hmm. But as we understand and can start to embrace and hold more of those paradoxical truths, we begin to kind of go, oh, maybe there's, maybe we can start to understand a little bit more of the grand design, but I'm far from there yet. (laughs) For all of us, more sitting and more action, right? The combo, like rounded, purposeful, clear action and lots more doing nothing. <laughs> oh, I, what what would you say to the people in the world who are like, I don't have that luxury? There's always space in every day. I talk about this idea of the gaps that whether you're waiting in line at the grocery store or walking down the hall to the bathroom at work, that as humans we tend to fill up every single space with thinking and figuring out and worrying a lot of worry. And so for me, the practice has become finding the gaps, those one minute to five minute just spaces and asking, what are you filling this that with, sweetheart? Asking myself, what are you filling it with? What do you want to fill it with? And that's where we have choice. Like our lives can be very complicated. You know, I know so many people that are taking care of their parents and have young kids and have a cancer diagnosis. I mean, like the complexity of what we're dealing with as humans is so high. Right. Um, and there's always space. We look for it. Mm. The space where regeneration is possible. Dun, dun, yeah. dun. dun. The, the soil. It's like the space is like a soil that is ready for your nourishment. Like if this kind of now going back to the land you're stewarding and needing to regenerate the soil, it's like the space, it's kind of a big metaphor. It's the space, it's empty space that you get to steward and re-nourish and eventually plant. Yes, exactly. And one of my favorite metaphors is in agriculture, we can say, or in gardening, like the the old paradigm is around like protect the plant, spray, kill the things that are bad for the plant. There's this like, the plant is good and everything else is bad. And, you know, the bugs, the the sun, like all the stuff. And so, but what gardeners know, what ancestors knew is that everything's about the soil. Everything's about regenerating the soil and nourishing the soil. And if you have nurtured, regenerative soil, you have healthy plants. And you have plants that then are talking to each other. You create a whole ecosystem. And so for us, part of your stillness practice now and that realizing I need to slow down is going back and looking at our soil. What does the soil of our being actually need for us to be sustainable? And when we're going through hard times, it means we need to be even more sustainable. We need to have deeper roots. We had more, more nourished soil because without that, if the soil is sterilized, if we haven't been tending to ourselves, then it might look like things are doing fine on the surface, but they're not going to last. It's, there isn't enough there to keep things going. And that's why sometimes we do have to burn down the things we love or pass them to somebody else and then walk into the mystery. And I think like you and I, those of us that are like stewards of exploration, in a way of like students and joyful seekers are going to continue to look into harder questions and keep expanding and know, well, this is the safe choice, but I want to go beyond the safe choice. I want to see what else is possible. Hi, yay. Mm-hmm. So may we all keep playing and supporting each other and loving and making really good mistakes and (laughs) yeah really good mistakes that that this has been such a beautiful conversation i knew it was going to be beautiful do you have 
anything else that feels at the tip of your heart, not even the tip of your tongue, but at the tip of your heart <laughs> that you would like to express? Say this dance right now of being more compassionate with ourselves and with the people that we're around and linking that compassion to the compassion itself helping us be in relationship with more complexity. Mm. There's something juicy about this idea of like vulnerability and gentleness and compassion as our entry point into being in more resilient dances with challenging situations and to be able to stretch to hold the complexity. Mm. So good. Now I have one final question for you of a similar nature, but this time I want to ask you to connect to the greater heart, the heart of the mother and feel your intrinsic connection with her and allow yourself to, in this moment, be a channel for something that she would like to, through your vessel, say to all of us. There is no right and there is no wrong. There's present, there's love, and there's holding hands with the Great Mother and knowing that if you let go of who you think you're supposed to be or where you're supposed to be and come back into your heart that you can always find the wisdom that you see. And so it is. Mm, and so me. Thank, Thank you, you so much. So much. Everybody, this is Heather Ashamara. She's amazing. <laughs> I highly recommend you read her book, Warrior Goddess Training, and a follower on Substack, which feels like more current, which is cool. So do you want to share how we can do that? Now yeah, the Substack is called Out of the Fire. I think it's just wow. Heather Ashamara. Yeah. yeah. Did you create yeah. that before the fire? No, it's, it's literally out of the fire. It's literally out of the fire. So I've written one post about the fire, which is really beautiful. And I've got two more to do in that kind of sequence. And then I'm going to be working on contradictions. It's all about how to dance with the contradictions is the subtitle. Beautiful. Well, everyone, as you can see and hear and feel, Heather Ash is a really cool teacher. I highly recommend you learn from her, follow her work. We love you. Thank you for being here on the Time of the Feminine podcast. Thanks so much, Lauren. Blessing. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Time of the Feminine podcast. It is such an honor every time to be able to host these conversations and to share the stories of the beautiful people we get the opportunity to interview. And so if you enjoyed this podcast, please go ahead and leave us a review. You can do so on Apple Podcasts and write a nice note, or you can do so on Spotify by leaving stars. We so appreciate every single one of you that's taken the effort to go out and to share with others and with our community about how this podcast has touched you. It really means so much to us since for us, this is a labor of love. And so thank you for giving back in that way.